I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners, macabre murders and captivating crimes from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales we tell. And it's episode 154. Yes, it is. 154. Yes. It seems like a big number. Yeah, it's the biggest number so far. So can't argue with that. Oh my God, you're the person who like just cuts through with the logic here. <laughs> so, it, it is the biggest number is. that we've done so far. Thank you for validating me. So, I yes. feel good about that. If it's that much bigger than 153? Uh, no. No, not greatly, I would. No, I just, it just suddenly felt weighty for some reason. Maybe it's just the fifth, 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 154. <laughs> Made okay. it feel important. Okay, I feel some sort of therapy in your future is going to reveal. <laughs> um, sort of... That you had a great aunt that once lived at number 154. And, <laughs> and terrible, terrible things happened there. All she did was run down staircases. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's it got of, dark very it's, quickly It's one, it's one of those Nick. things that everywhere we walk now, you're going to see 154 in various places. It's just being like... Well, now gra- I am. Graffitied on a wall somewhere. And it's like, oh, it's 154. Oh, I want to buy this this thing. It's one by 54. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm going to get a bus. It's bus 154. <laughs> I mean, that's firmly now implanted yep. in my head, yep. so that's You'll a thing. Everywhere you go. Also, where am I shopping that something's £1.54? I don't know. The pound and a half shop, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> it's a popular place. Yeah. It could be multiple things, for not just one thing for £1.54. It could be two or three things that add up to Oh, I get to the till and I have the crisis. Yeah. <laughs> I have a complete exactly. breakdown. In, in, in public, not just quietly in an aisle. No, there's 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 a queue <laughs> behind you. There's a, there's a woman there going, fucking money. <laughs> And you're there going, no, my great aunt. (laughs) She served me salmon from the wrong side. 154 times. (laughs) I had enough. I'm glad you have my entire life mapped out. I do feel like you're hiding behind an aisle at the time going, good, good. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) I'm just around the corner with a big paintbrush. One by four, one by four. (laughs) But you're well anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm planning planning loads of stuff. (laughs) You have a weekend in mind. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be great. That is lovely. Any poisonings this week? Uh, I mean, I think you've got big enough plans as I've, yeah, it is. Exactly. I've got too many plans. I can't, I can't, can't be doing with poisonings can't as well. I'm troubled with these poisoning <laughs> shenanigans. Far too much going on. I have to break someone's psyche. <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to that. You so would. Every now and then I look at you like, you would be an absolute psychopath criminal mastermind. <laughs> and we'd all go along with it. If only he 
weren't so lazy. <laughs> That's true. That's the one thing that we have. Yeah. So like, he would destroy the world if we could be bothered to leave the house. <laughs> Already have your pajamas on. Exactly. I'm going to point this out. You're swilling your red wine. Yeah. Machiavellian style. All I have to do is put a packet of biscuits down. Oh, I'll be asleep. Yeah. Well, we got off to a rollicking start, yeah, haven't we? Grand. Well, speaking of making grand plans but being too lazy to execute them, <laughs> and biscuits, let's thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. I bet, I bet they like a ginger nut. Oh, I bet they do. Thank you very much to the very nutty Amanda Shepard. And to Inga Schiebselberger, or Scheibselberger. I hope I said that right. (laughs) Probably not. We tried. (laughs) Thank you so much, you delicious, sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. We love you endlessly. We've had fun on Patreon this week. We told a tale that may have inspired Shakespeare. Oh, we did. Yes, I had to remind myself that. Local. Local tale. Local tale. The tale of the Arden of Faversham. The Arden of Faversham. Which means something to five people in Kent. Yeah, I know. Everyone's going, woo! Woo! Yes, yes. A murder. It's a dramatic tale of murderings. was very dramatic. It was very good. It was very Lots good. Lots running around and... And, and failing to and kill people. Failing to kill, yes. But if you want to know what the hell we're talking about, please do consider joining us on Patreon if you haven't already. It is a lovely platform where we put out an extra episode every single week as well as lots of bonus content and frivolity. Also, our book club is there where you get to have a live chat with me at the moment every single month. Nick may put it on I may appearance. Do. If I actually read a book. I'm, uh, this one, I'm, I'm intrigued by this one. Come and join us on Patreon forward slash The Poisoner's Cabinet if you want to know more. Well, Nick, are you ready? Mm. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Mm. Or, or we could drink poison and we could also talk about cocktails. <laughs> what's what's this one? I don't know. Right. That's very disturbing. You have to answer the question. <laughs> Shall we have a cocktail? Should we go with the first one? Yeah, whatever that one was. Yes, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, as long as it stops, it's fine. <laughs> let's go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is Nick's story this week, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. Nick's story this week. Mm. And his secret ingredient is... A detective. A detective? A detective. We've called it a detective. We have. There is a crime to be solved. Needed to be done. And when choosing the picture, you did insist on a big magnifying glass. Absolutely, yes. It means classic detective. Traditional, it classic. Is, I mean, yes. I mean, is a detective worth the name if he does not have a large magnifying glass? <laughs> <laughs> what do detectives do nowadays? Well, they zoom in on their iPhones. Oh, no, that's very true. Oh, I bet yeah. they do. And then just hit the Google lens thing yeah. and just go, tell me what this murder is. So, yeah, that's cheating. Oh, it's a beheading. There we are. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that's cheating. Well, with Detective, there's a lot. What have you come up with? So, this week, it's one that people have been talking about. Have they? On the Patreon. Ooh. And on the social things. Okay. We're going to have a Nick and Nora. <gasps> Nick and Nora? We're going to have a Nick and Nora martini. Oh, Named after the film that everyone keeps on saying we should watch. We still haven't watched it yet, but maybe this weekend if we get some time. The Thin Man. Yes, The Thin Man. So we mentioned this on Patreon episode uh, the other week. It was just a random fact in the episode. And we've never seen this film, The Thin Man. No. And everyone jumped on and said, how have you not seen it? Got the husband and wife who solve crimes, but they have cocktails all the time. exactly. So I think, yes, the the husband is is an ex-detective. He's an ex-sort-of-cop. Yeah. Um, And the wife is sort of um, an heiress 
sort of woman, woman who just, just drinks cocktails all day. Mm. Um, and they go around solving crimes and drinking cocktails and making drinks. Yeah. Um, and the glass, the Nick and Nora, is named after this couple in the film. That's and your favourite kind of glass. And it's my favourite type of glass, the Nick and Nora. They are detectives who mm. make cocktails. Yes. I mean, bloody marvellous. Wonderful. So the Nick and Nora martini. Nick and Nora martini. Oh, it's been martini. a while since a martini. Well, indeed, yes. I'm excited. Okay, I think it is high time for us to slink sleuth-like into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm so we'll see you in a minute we'll see you in a bit and we're back hello well nick a mm. martini mm-hmm. a nick and nora nick and nora martini it's been a while we haven't had anything even vaguely called a martini for a while well not since you yelled not since i yelled at things being called martinis that were martinis no yes, and we uh, had the lecture we had the <laughs> It's just everyone calls everything a martini. But this looks like a martini. Yeah. This is beautifully, beautifully clear in the lovely Nick and Nora in glasses. In the Nick and Nora glasses. My favourite glasses in the history of the world ever. Now, what makes it a Nick and Nora? Just the glass? Or is there something well, secrety, secrety in here? It was. We'll see what we think. Oh, okay. Let's. It smells of alcohol. Lovely. Excellent. Lovely. Well done, yes. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Merry We're Christmas. actually clinking today. Hey. That'll do the trick. That's brilliant. <laughs> I always forget how much I love martinis. Yeah, I have them so infrequently. Oh, good. They're strong, but they're a good strong. Mm. They don't have that sort of spirit forward quality that sometimes you get with like the bourbon drinks and things. Yes. That you you know oh. you know you're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> or like or things will not end well. Yeah. They don't have that sort of oomph behind mm. them. I can drink two martinis <laughs> of a night. A third may be ill-advised, but never more than that. Yeah. And you just have a nice buzz. Yeah. God, this is lovely. I can't tell what the thing is, though. Gin yeah. is in there. It's a gin martini. It's a gin martini. With, with martini? No, with martini. There's a little something. No, there's not. Is a not? It's Jim Martini. Oh, right. Is that it? <laughs> oh, good. Because yeah. I did not know what it was. It is, it is as classic as you can as you hey. can get. It's a, yeah, three three to one <gasps> ratio martini. And it's just called the Nicanora. And it's called Nicanora. I, th- I suspect because it was featured in the film, I believe. And also it's in this particular style of glass. Martini ratios. They they vary so much. Yeah. And everyone has their own particular um, spin. This, this is a three to one. Five to one is a lot. It's, it's a lot, yeah, absolutely. But it's not five shots. I mean, it's just... Uh, no, but still, it's like a, gla- a glass of gin with a bottle of martini over in the corner somewhere. <laughs> sort of, would like, you hmm. call this a dry or a wet? Probably a wet martini, I would say. This is not a yeah? dry one. Do you want to explain to the nice people the difference? It would just depend on how much vermouth you've got in there. Yeah. So the more vermouth, the wetter it is. Um, yeah. The less vermouth, the drier it is. If you want it dry, you would stir it around the ice and then actually drain it. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that so... Put the, put the um, vermouth into your mixing glass with the ice. As you say, stir it around so that it coats the inside of your mixing mixing glass and then get rid of it and then mm. you put it in the gin. And that is the... Very dry. Very, very dry. Barest minimum of vermouth you're going to get in there. Lovely. Well, so, I mean, yeah. it's great. It's great. It's It'll a, get you there. Brilliant drink. And we've not had it before. We've not had just a classic martini. A classic martini. I'm going to enjoy this yeah, while absolutely. I am told a story. Yeah, indeed. And you must get it so cold. You must get it so, so cold. I mean, even I, oh, I, yes. I put these glasses in the freezer before you came. And I never usually bother with that. But with our martini, it is imperative. That is the height of sophistication. That is the level, isn't it? You need the martini glasses the glass chilling. Absolutely. I feel very fancy. With our Nick and Nora's firmly in hand. Yeah. Is it time for a story? It is. Yay! And I've gone a bit rogue. <gasps> I've gone a bit off-piste with this. 
Okay. Episode. There's going to be skiing and there's, there's X-Men. Skiing, absolutely. <laughs> so we have we are not focusing on any murderer or thief or fraudster, but on a man who has gone down in history as one of the most famous detectives. Oh. Who ever lived? Sherlock Holmes. It's Sherlock Holmes. We're it's... doing a whole episode on Sherlock Holmes. Like, oh no, he's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I've read lots of books. He was very good. <laughs> he did a lot of things. <laughs> so today we have the story of Alan Pinkerton. Pinkerton Agency. And oh my of, God. And of course, the detective agency. That still bears his name. Yay! Very exciting. Still? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, Pinkerton's still still there. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It's still massive, massive, massive agency. Oh, can we hire them? Uh, yeah, I don't think we could afford it. <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a division of Securitas. Ooh. Still going. No, I want to go into the Pinkerton office and just straighten out a nice crisp five pound note <laughs> and say, I have someone who needs to be followed, sir. Yeah. So, but But who was Alan Pinkerton? And how did he get into his life of detecting? Tell me. Well, he was born in Glasgow. Hey! He's a Scot, which I did not realise. Born in 1819 to William and Isabel. William had been a police officer, but he sustained an injury in the in the line of duty and was no longer able to work. The family sort of struggled on until eventually he did, he, he passed away. Alan was only 10 years old Aww. at the time when his, when his father died. Now, there was no income whatsoever to support the family so alan had to he had to give up school go out and earn a wage so he became an apprentice barrel maker in a the cooper Ma- yes and the macaulay cooperage works <laughs> that is a great place yeah, to work absolutely I mean, macaulay a, cooperage the macaulay cooperage there's always need for more barrels in scotland tiny little wage he got was enough to just about get the family by now while he was working at the cooperage he discovered a sort of a political side to himself Okay. Chatting to other barrelers, yeah. other other coopers there, and yeah, man, they got talking. Po- and he's only early teens, but uh, he is a man at that point. <laughs> this. No, this I mean, to be fair, to be fair, like that—that's how most young working yeah. class men will discover politics is actually having debates with all of their fellow workers. Absolutely. So he actually joins the Charterists movement. So the Charterists were a movement of working class people who made um, charts, who stood up for the rights of working folk um, and they had they had a charter of things they wanted to accomplish hence the name charterist and it was all about every man gets a vote so you don't have not to, women not women <laughs> no not at this point not women but every every man gets a get you don't have to sort of own property and yeah. all this sort of stuff Absolutely every, everyone, right. every man gets a vote um, anyone can stand as an mp yeah, you don't have to be a landowner to stand as an mp all their their charter the things on their charter were about improving the lot of working class people and making a fairer and more equal society love this man already it's which is which are good goals i feel unsurprisingly such reforms are not really popular with those in charge (laughs) (laughs) famously um, not they are quite happy with how things are and 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 glasgow is is a hub of the charterist movements they're they're mainly based in sort of the north of north Mm. of england into scotland and and glasgow is a particularly yeah vocal 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 hub and Alan Pinkerton, he is, he's right in there from the beginning. So much so that his name starts appearing on lists. Uh, lists that, of people the authorities want to... Yeah, you want, they want to quieten down. They want to silence. You're making a mm. bit too much noise. Now, the following passage I'm going to read is actually taken from a book called Spies in the Civil War by um, <laughs> Wagner and McNess. 
Nice, nice. I wrote this book. On March the 13th, 1842, he was due to marry a young woman from Edinburgh, Joan Carfer. But one of his friends rushed in just as the wedding ceremony was ending and warned Pinkerton that soldiers were approaching to arrest him. Pinkerton and his new bride quickly slipped away. They hid until the following morning when they made their way to the docks and boarded a boat bound for Canada. Oh, nice drama. So he, yeah, absolutely. Hunted by the authorities. And the only mm. option he seemed to have was actually flee the country. So now he's on board this boat for Canada. Now, as the ship approaches the Canadian coast, a fierce storm blows up no. um, and pushes the ship 200 miles off course. It is actually, this boat is actually forced onto a reef near mm. Nova Scotia and the, the boat founders and starts to break up. Ooh. all the passengers everyone is forced into the into the ocean into into the sea thankfully they are not too far from land they can see they can see land from where they end up so they are a lot of the passengers are able to struggle to yeah. to the beach and, and, and get out um and where they are eventually rescued by a passing ship but they had they lost everything Obviously, all, yeah. all their, their all belongings, the luggage, and cargo, all they had was the sodden clothes that they were discovered in. Everything else had been has been lost to the ocean. Devastating. Um, yeah, so now they've arrived, Alan and his wife, Joan, they've arrived in this new country completely destitute. They have yeah. absolutely nothing. Any belongings and money that they may have packed to make their new life in, in Canada better, it's all gone. <laughs> absolutely screwed. Shit. Now, fortunately, he has some contacts who are already in America. Ah, good. Some some Scottish friends he from Glasgow who had already made the made the trip across, and the Scottish expat community is is very active and very supportive. So they are eventually able to make their way down to Chicago from various sort of handouts and and loans from from the community. Sure, fair play. And they yep they they get themselves down to Chicago, where his friend offers him a job working as a cooper as his trade, mm -hmm. uh, working for Lil's Brewing. Lil's, Lil's Brewing. Brewing in Chicago. Lovely. Yeah, they need barrels as well. And he is now an expert barreler. People need barrels. Mm. Barrel for all things. Everything needs a barrel. Yeah, everything really does back then. Well, back yeah, then, you don't, you don't have a plastic bag or Bar big things, tubs <laughs> to put things in. Barrel for your whiskey. Barrel for your cereal. Bar yeah, barrel, barrel for, for your, your wife. Your grain and all, all the waters. <laughs> barrel for your snacks. <laughs> barrels to ride over waterfalls. You need, you need <laughs> barrels. Everyone needs a barrel. Now, he works for the brewer for a few years. But he's not made this trip all the way across the Atlantic to work for someone else. That's not the American dream. He is going to make a name for himself. He's going to do things his own way. Ah, oh, fair enough. And that's what he wants to do. So mm. once he's saved enough money, he quits his job and sets up on his own. His barrels are going to be the very best <laughs> barrels anyone has ever barreled. <laughs> barrels should have been the secret ingredient, I feel. <laughs> Why weren't they the secret ingredient? There's a lot of barrels going on. You panicked on the secret ingredient, didn't you? <laughs> so, before I got fully into the barrel aspect of the story. <laughs> I shall barrel thee out of town, sir. So, his, so he's going to make his own barrels as yep. one man. So yeah, well, so he's yeah he set up his own little factory. Um, he moves out to a little town called Dundee, which is about forty miles outside of Chicago. Dundee, yes, and it, it has been founded by um, Scottish immigrants. It's surprising that he goes there. Isn't so he, he goes yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was drawn to it somehow. Drawn to it there, and it's just far enough away that they don't have their own barrels um, <laughs> there, so they need a barrel maker. They need their own their own cooper. I am now picturing a lot of sort of coopers standing in the street, going, "This is mad territory." <laughs> 
you can't make a barrel here, sir. That's <laughs> exactly how it was. Yeah. That's exactly how it was. So, I mean, he goes out there initially by himself and he builds himself a cabin. Nice. He builds, well, he's he, a cooper. He, so build, he builds a home. I'm sensing it was round. He builds the sort of little workshop on the side. <laughs> and then once he's built the he's built the cabin, his wife comes over from Chicago. Um, <laughs> she's, she's not going to be living in a, under a, a hedge while he builds this. <laughs> While he builds the house. so She's been living under a hedge. No, she's sorry. not going to be living under a hedge while he builds the house. So she waits in Chicago, then comes along afterwards. <laughs> and then moves into the barrel house. Uh, moves into the barrel house. Said, God damn it, you said our days of barreling was over. No, no. Barrels, barrels, barrels. It's barrels, <laughs> barrels all, all the way, the way down. down, sir. <laughs> one day. One day. One day. They come out of the barrel. He was out in the forests looking for suitable trees to make barrels out of hunting (laughs) absolutely when he stumbles upon a gang of counterfeiters who have made their home on a little island oh okay in the fox river comes across this this scene of counterfeiting um now his curiosity seems to get the better of him and he sneaks up and he sort of yeah he watches what's going on he he observes um he listens to what this this gang are saying and he comes conclusion yes they are they are making fake money they are then passing it off around town and such like now he quietly makes his way back to back to town and goes to see the sheriff i have this is what i've seen these yeah (laughs) all these counterfeiters on an island in the river they're over there now the sheriff is delighted he he knows there has been a counterfeiting operation somewhere in the area several shopkeepers from dundee have come to him and said I've been I've been swindled by this. So he knows this is happening somewhere, but he had no idea where this gang was sort of holed up, right. really, to, to do anything about it. I feel it. like he did not go out at all. He stayed in his office going, <laughs> damn, why will this counterfeiter not present himself to me immediately? Yeah. But now he is armed with this new information, this, this information from Pinkerton. So the sheriff goes out and he is able to quickly round up the gang and clear out their island hideaway. From then on, the island becomes known as Bogus Island. Really? From the counterfeiting that, that, <laughs> that occurred there. Now, there is another version of these events that is oh. published in the Boston Globe. Now, this version is slightly more dramatic. It says that a saddler in Dundee has ha- having a conversation with, with Pinkerton, and he complains that he's been swindled yet again by these damned counterfeiters. Oh, he's, no. he's been taken in once more. And he points to a particular chap in town who he is convinced is one of the culprits. Okay. He's got no proof, but he knows it's him. He knows it's him. And Pinkerton takes it upon himself to actually discover the truth. In this story, he goes out and finds finds what's going on. So he disguises himself as a as a labourer. Okay. Um, and he goes out, he follows this chap out into the forest. Right. Um, and goes into the camp and sort of ingratiates himself with the gang on this island <laughs> right? to find out their secrets um, oh. and get to know them as other posing as a labourer who is wants, wants to join exactly proper undercover work yeah. once he's got all the information he then goes to the sheriff who goes thank you very much and the sheriff <laughs> goes to arrest everyone oh, cunning cunning, oh, yeah. cunning so I'm not entirely sure which version is true mm. the second version seems a bit convenient convenient yeah it's a nice uh, for the narrative it's, it's a nice for the narrative of, of how he got into where he became I like the I idea s- that he went in and he was posing as a labourer but he was doing a terrible job of it <laughs> terrible, terrible terrible job I mean we, whichever version is true Pinkerton is celebrated for his role in the apprehension of these counterfeiters he becomes a local hero 
and he becomes an incredibly busy chap in his own words he says i suddenly found myself called upon from every quarter to undertake matters requiring detective skill that seems odd which seems a leap from yeah. a chap who just happened upon something in a forest yes there was so that's why i think potentially the globe thing makes him into more of the detective from mm. the off but people seem to think oh he discovered this this plot yeah um and so therefore he must be a great detective where actually he just wandering in the forest and he went oh look there's people over there well that makes me more inclined <laughs> to believe the globe version well, of maybe. it because if he just wandered in the forest and he found something it's a bit like going oh you're the greatest detective to ever live well that seems to be because i used my goddamn eyes yeah that seems to be the theme really that after this this incident propels him to stardom but it must have been that he had employed some subterfuge or something like that to, if, if it was the first version of it. But he must have got into the river. He must have been quiet. He must have been subtle. Yes, found yes, some stuff absolutely. out and decided to turn them in uh, rather than turn it to his own advantage. Probably noble. So he got in and out without being detected. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so maybe. A certain amount of skill there. I, sure. I believe that rather than him kind of going in and like dressing up as someone. He is quickly appointed deputy sheriff. <laughs> um, of of the area, you're a genius. No one's ever done such detecting before. Um, the sheriff is shit. The sheriff is not left. The sheriff is agoraphobic. Yeah. He's left, never left his office. God, thank God you're here. The sheriff is really happy for Alan to take over. You crack on, mate. He swiftly proves himself sort of a natural crime fighter, He's catching cattle and horse thieves, swiftly dealing with any barb rules or disagreements Ooh. that happen in town or things like that no one argues with alan pinkerton okay if he says to do something you fucking do it crime though it just doesn't happen he has yeah. stamped out crime in sort of the county but soon he gets bored this is boring now cow thieves horse thieves the occasional punch up in the bar on a saturday evening it's a bit yeah. dull so he move. he wants to move on to bigger and better things so in 1849, he is appointed the first police detective ever in Chicago. Police detective number one. Oh. In Chicago. Crime is rife in Chicago, um, <laughs> yeah. in the big city. Surely not. And, and Pinkerton really despairs about how he is meant to detect everything that he needs to detect. Um, <laughs> can he do it all himself? He now, needs bigger magnifying glasses. He has like a small army of constables. They're there to keep the peace. They're there to break up trouble and really to stop crime happening in the first place. They're not there to detect things after the crime has happened. No, but that's his job. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. But he's, he's the only one. So, and he's going, well, then the fuck am I the only one? <laughs> <laughs> well, surely, like, if the constables are doing their job, only a few will filter through. Yeah, but, yeah, but it doesn't seem to work like that, though. Oh, there, there's, it... a, there's a lot on the books that need investigating. Oh, I bet I bet the... you the constables are all on the payroll, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Oh, so they're all getting backhanders. There's, there's a lot of things no that need detecting that aren't being detected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... How many times are we going to use detecting as a verb? Lots. so so many uh, <laughs> he detects i detect you detect we detect but i mean that the city is not willing to fund um, crime a, fighting a, 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 a larger detective force they're they're, they're paying okay. for the constables to do their job yeah i've got pinkerton now surely you can sort the rest of it out he's going no then this is a big city there's yeah. lots going on we need more people in the city go no so what he does so he quits Gives it up. Okay. I'm not going to be the first police detective in Chicago. Can't be asked with that. Mm. In 1850, uh, Pinkerton and his a business partner at Edward Rucker, they found the Northwestern Police Agency, which swiftly becomes Pinkerton and Co. And then finally, Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Lovely. The Pinkerton Agency uses the motto, we never sleep. 
is their is their company is their company slogan, and it is set underneath the logo of a large unblinking eye. <laughs> I was going to ask, and that's that's where you get the term private eye from. Yes, yeah, which no, I, 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 I did not know that. Well, I knew there was a logo with yeah. eye, but yeah. That's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> we never we sleep. We never sleep. We're watching you. We're watching you. It's like Big time. Brother and the Eye of Sauron yes, constantly. Absolutely. Also, the eye should be bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> Who came yeah. up with that going, your life is in our hands. We will take care of you. All of this sort of like, we never we sleep. We never sleep. We are well. always watching you. <laughs> Which is really ominous. <laughs> Imagine their first few cases uh-huh. where they go out to people and go like, will you solve this crime? No, but we won't sleep. We'll, we'll always be at your window. We'll always be watching. Always watching forever. <laughs> Good for them. I mean, it, it, gets, it gets the message across. I mean, Just a sorry. giant eye. Just a big eye. <laughs> now, the agency is the first to sort of formalise methods that are now used as standard by detectives across the world. Shadowing suspects, nice. um, surveillance, Ooh. undercover agents, all this sort of thing became sort of stock in trade for the Pinkerton Agency. Oh, I love it. That had really never been done before. And they quickly achieve a reputation for their effectiveness and their sort of no-nonsense approach, really. They don't, they, yeah, they don't take fools gladly. Yeah. They are key in solving a, a series of train robberies in the late 1850s. There's there been a massive expansion of the railways, leading enterprising criminals to try and ambush trains as, as they went across country and such like. And they quickly came to regret their life choices when they discovered mm. there was a Pinkerton agent aboard the said train. So... <laughs> They did, the criminals did not end up well. Usually bouncing along behind the end of the train or something with, with a bullet in their head. That's uh, no, not good. It's not, it's, not, it's not good if you're a criminal. Now, it's during the time the agency is working for the railways, Pinkerton first makes the acquaintance of Abraham Lincoln. Yay! Now, at the time, Lincoln is a lawyer. He's a lawyer working for the Illinois Central Railroad. Key in sort of negotiating contracts with Pinkerton. Mm. They become, probably not friends, but they certainly know each other. Now, I mean, despite the the, the often dangerous situations that Alan Pinkerton finds himself in mm. as part of his job, he is noted for his, his calm temperament and mm. nature. A reporter once describes an encounter with him, saying that Pinkerton had strong, rugged features. That peculiar high colour complexion that indicates a good liver. Short, (laughs) crisp, curly hair and beard, dark, piercing eyes that impressed with me the opinion that he was looking into rather than at me. About the mouth and eyes there was an indescribable something that tells of a resolute will, a fixed purpose and great determination. I'm quite aroused. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh oh my. (laughs) He sees something, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) On one occasion in the 1850s, Pinkerton finds himself in the middle of a riot. Shit. Like you do. 40 or 50 men protesting and generally causing a nuisance, really. Pinkerton, he tries to negotiate with the leader of the the mob, but instead the man throws a punch Uh. at Pinkerton. Pinkerton catches the man by the arm and and hurls him to the floor. Oh my God, he's a superhero. He's a superhero. Oh my God. He caught caught the punch. He caught the punch. With his hand twists the arm and throws the man to the floor. Now, still clutching this man who is on the ground by his arm, Pinkerton begins dragging the flailing chap across the street 
to the jailhouse. Now, the other rioters, there they argue and they attempt to stop Pinkerton dragging their friend away, but he just swats them off left, right and centre. Yeah, just with one hand, one hand, one hand, one hand, knocking them down. Knocking them. There are women just standing by taking off their bras. Absolutely. Like, please drag me to wherever you're going. I am yeah. 100% behind this. As he approaches the jailhouse, the the jailer stands there waiting to close the door. As Pinkerton comes, is supposedly coming through with this man. That's the efficient. Jailer, I like the jailer is there ready to slam the door shut. Instead, Pinkerton instructs the man to keep the door open, keep the door open and step outside. Within a few minutes, this this mob have stormed the jail building, thinking they are rescuing their friend. As soon as they are all inside, uh, Pinkerton, who has snuck around the room and is now outside, slams the door shut (laughs) (laughs) and has locked them all inside the jail. (laughs) That is a very cartoon way of doing it. very, very cartoon way of doing things, but it works. And he has now trapped these men inside the jailhouse <laughs> and close the door and you're locked in so they when the constables finally <laughs> how arrive how many people well they say about 40 to 50 this report says <laughs> Jesus. so a lot of people and they all do seem to be a bit like sheep they all, all the, the main person the main person's gone in there we almost go in there we always go in there no, uh, I, I will tell you I'll tell you for true my yeah. grandfather taught me this with a mob with a crowd mm. you intimidate the leader absolutely then you intimidate the crowd yeah. so they always there's always a leader at the front of a crowd yeah. so even in a mob that leader oh, yeah. goes into the jail and they're all going to well, follow. Well, Pinkerton's dragged him into the jail. Yes, he's dragged him so, in. They yeah. go, oh, we have and to follow him. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. that mentality takes <laughs> that menta- over. That mob mentality, uh, there it is. And they all, yeah, they all fight. Now, eventually, say, the constables do arrive and all the men are arrested and led out of the jailhouse in chains. Where they go, mm. presumably back into the jailhouse again, I don't know. But they all, <laughs> are all arrested and, and dealt with. In 1855, the agency is called in to solve the case of mail theft. Um, the post office is at a loss. They have no idea where all this mail is going missing along along its route. Pinkerton visits the particular depot that many of the missing pieces would have been routed through, and he sets himself up in a in a spot overlooking the tables where the mail is sorted. Oh, okay, nice. So nice, he's up nice. in the gantry somewhere spying down. <laughs> now at these tables, there are there are men known as pilers. Now these they arrange packages on the table with sort of address labels facing forward and stuff like that so the next team who are known as throwers can easily see the address and then throw them into the appropriate baskets depending on the destination pinkerton focuses in on one particular pilot a man called perry denniston he notes that denniston he handles the mail for longer than the other pilers in his team almost as if he's trying to judge what's inside the thickness of the envelope see what's going on there pleasing thickness Uh, pinkerton decides to test the man before making his accusations public and he prepares a series of decoy letters some feel like they may contain money others are just letters just plain letters he places these decoys in denison's area and hides again up up on a up on a gantry overlooking <laughs> pinkerton sees denniston pick up one of these decoy letters and when the thrower's back is turned slips it into his <gasps> pocket goodness me next morning 6 a.m denniston is woken as the police barge into his apartment knock the Yay! door down he's in there his apartment is searched 
the decoy money and a great deal of other money yeah. as well is found. What's interesting is three months later, Pinkerton arrests Perry Dennison's brother, Theodore, for exactly the same crime. Wow. Seems to be a family family pursuit. Well, he's probably told him by the <laughs> yeah, way. This has been working for months and months and Knock months and months and months. Letters, yeah. This is this is the way to do it. So another post office has said we've got a similar problem. Oh, it's his mm. brother. Now on this occasion though, when police first search Theodore's apartment, they find nothing. There is no yeah. evidence of anything going awry. But Pinkerton, he's sure Theodore is the man. He is sure he is guilty. And he carries out his own search. Pinkerton takes all the pictures off the walls and he notices that the backing on several of the pictures is a bit loose. Oh my God, yes. He peels away the backing paper <laughs> he does. and reveals over three and a half thousand dollars oh! in notes across several paintings. It's just the golden age of <laughs> detecting. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's literally the point and click video games. <laughs> it's what you do. Go check the back of the picture. Mm. All my synapses are firing now of joy because <laughs> I feel like this is a point and click detective game. <laughs> now, unsurprisingly, Pinkerton had, does make a few enemies along the way. In certain circles, he's not the most popular popular man and yeah, many of his critics they try to discredit him they try to mm. pretend that he's well he's he's, a, he's an alcoholic he's a he's a gambler so. he's cheating on his wife he's got mistresses and none of this is true it's absolutely he, he doesn't drink well he does but he, he drinks but not to excess he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> gamble um he's very very happy in his marriage his only vices are he likes car racing and horse riding though if those can be considered vices those are his hobbies really and that's as, yeah. that's as dramatic as it gets so they're, they're able to find nothing to sort of blacken his character well everyone's trying to every, yeah, everyone yeah. everyone is trying to but they can't find they can't find anything i bet he really had a kink though i'm sure he did yeah i'm sure he can't he be that something. straight laced and that focused on sure stuff he had something <laughs> one of the things he was known that he enjoyed was writing he wrote books he wrote 17 books over his over his career and they, all the books they detail his his life as a detective the cases he worked on some of the methods he employed but yeah Yes, 17, nice. 17 books were published. His first book was titled The Expressman and the Detective and focused on his pursuit and capture of a particular felon, Nathan Maroney. It was a dark romance. Yes. <laughs> but I feel a little parched. A little parched. I feel a bit parched. Excellent. Also, I think we need to read from this erotic novel that so, he's yes. written. Shall we have a beverage? Shall we? Marvellous. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, Nick, mm. we have more martinis. We do. Continue on your tale. So. The express man. And the detective. That does sound like the erotic novel we all need. <laughs> Absolutely. And it may well be. Because <laughs> you're going to write it. I'm going to tell you all about it. So this chap, Nathan <gasps> Maroney. Now, he is suspected of stealing $10,000. The rogue. Um, from his employer, the Adams Express Company. Um, now, there's no hard evidence against Maroney. The company, they've already carried out sort of an internal investigation to try and find out something, but they find nothing. But a few months later, another shipment goes missing. And this one contains $40,000 terrifyingly huge sum of money but again Moroni there's no evidence against him so the Adams Express company they contact the Pinkerton agency to try and get their expertise in finding finding their man and solving the case is this is this the book this is the yeah, this is the book but it's based on one of his his case histories so now in this this book uh, Pinkerton writes I maintained as a cardinal principle that it is impossible for the human mind to retain a secret. All history proves that no one can hug a secret to his breast and live. Everyone must have a vent for his feelings. It is impossible to keep them always penned up. This is especially noticeable in persons who have committed criminal acts. They always find it necessary to select someone in whom they can confide and to whom they can unburden themselves. It's intriguing, isn't mm. it? Yeah. There's always is there a tell? Is there someone you will have spoken to? Yeah. Eight Pinkerton agents trail Moroni for over ten months. One of them actually befriends Moroni and becomes a close confidant undercover. The agency follow their suspect across the country until they, they gather enough evidence that they think they can arrest the man. Um, they still don't have the missing money at all, but they think, we've got a plan. We've got a cunning plan. When the agents come to arrest Moroni, they also arrest the undercover Pinkerton agent as a associate of Moroni's and they are placed in the same cell together now Moroni he knows that his new friend has got nothing to do with this this crime because he wasn't around then so he is entirely innocent on that so the authorities are going to have to let him go soon enough yeah in the cell Moroni confesses to his new friend he tells his friend oh. Oh. about where the money is and he says go and get it retrieve the money keep it safe for me until until I'm until I'm released. Okay, fair enough. Again, keep keep it safe. A few days later, the 
undercover agent is, yes, indeed, released from prison. There's no evidence to hold him. Maroney is entirely convinced that his his associate is going to go and take get the money, keep it Ooh, safe, oh, wow. keep it secret for when he releases. A few days later, Maroney is brought into court. <laughs> <laughs> there, in as a witness against him is Batman is his is his dear 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 oh, friend oh no the undercover Pinkerton agent oh the brutality <laughs> so so very 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 harsh I mean it's good it's, it's good. good it's absolutely. good absolutely so he had no idea that his dearest chum was this undercover agent <laughs> In 1861, while working on a railroad robbery, he uncovers a plot to assassinate the newly elected Abraham Lincoln while he is <laughs> yeah. travelling um, to Washington, D.C. for his inauguration. After the outbreak of the Civil War a few months later, Lincoln appoints his old chum and his saviour, Pinkerton, to the head of the Union Intelligence Service. He is now in charge of all the secret shenanigans <laughs> during the Civil War. I mean, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. old job, absolutely. It's a big deal. Yeah. Now, Pinkerton agents, they work undercover as Confederate soldiers gathering military intelligence. Alan Pinkerton himself goes undercover, posing as a major E.A. Allen. He Ooh. sets up spy rings behind enemy lines. His men infiltrate confederate sympathizer groups that get set up in the in the north they even go as far they will sort of interview slaves who have escaped the south and who are fleeing yeah. north they will interview them to discover troop movements what yeah. they've seen on their their journey journey north and they compile this huge sort of all this intelligence information not everyone was particularly impressed by the information presented it has to be said. Not say not everyone is a particular fan. One historian later wrote that Pinkerton's work was the poorest intelligence of any general ever had. <laughs> well, based on what? Based on they, there were various reports. That one particular that Pinkerton was not good uh, determining numbers of troops. Right. That are okay. around. So not a military. So yeah. So not sort of military intelligence. So some people think that he was providing grossly overestimated numbers of enemy troops to generals <laughs> and that resulted in the the union some union generals being overly cautious yeah. um, or changing their plans thinking that they are faced twice the number of people than they actually are against so they think it's like like father ted like dougal is standing by the window going <laughs> i'm no judge of numbers but i think there's 14 million of them yeah, out there it's, it's exactly so so <laughs> but he, he's dealing with one on one people who were saying oh there were there were thousands of them out there so he's going, oh, there were thousands of them out there. Well, actually, it was like 20. <laughs> and that's Im impacting the general's decisions about how they how they react to that. He he ends up being head of the head of the service for about two years or so before he goes, nah. <laughs> this, 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 not for me. I want to go back to my agency work. Going to start my own thing. Lincoln's fine. Yeah. Nothing will happen to Lincoln he'll after be, this. He'll be absolutely fine. He'll be <laughs> right as rain. So he, he goes back to his capturing train robbers while dining out on the fact that he saved lincoln for I, I, many many yeah, years I, yes i think i think yes he ha absolutely he has a, a now a considerable standing in hmm. society this has been reported upon and fair play but yeah absolutely he, he saved the president from from this threat <laughs> and why wouldn't you in the 1870s the pinkertons are hired by a railroad company to track down the 
infamous outlaws, Jesse and Frank James. Jesse James. Leaders of the James Younger gang. Now, they spend months chasing down these hoodlums. One agent is murdered while trying to infiltrate the gang, trying to go undercover. Does not work. Two others die in a shootout with the gang as they make another successful escape. After repeated failed attempts to capture the outlaws, the railway companies actually give up and they withdraw <laughs> their funding from, from the agency. So you've had no luck. I'm not paying you any more money. Now, Pinkerton continues to track James at his own expense. It is now a matter of personal and professional pride that he catches this man who has eluded him. And cost him a contract with with the company, yeah. cost him money. He is now he's throwing his own money in there now. I don't want to say it's like a film. But it's like a film. <laughs> the hunt comes to an unfortunate end. Oh, and they're naked. In eighteen seventy five. When they've all got their clothes on. <laughs> oh shit. Pinkerton's they launch a raid on the James's brothers, their mother's house. Oh, in Missouri, thinking thinking they that the brothers are there now. Frank and Jesse are actually nowhere to be seen. They have or they have been tipped off about this incoming raid, and they have fucked off. Finding their fugitives gone, the agents get into a rage. They are absolutely furious, and they get into a massive argument with uh, James and Frank's mother, Zrelda, whom who is at the who is at the house now. During this sort of standoff, one of the agents throws a grenade through the window. What the shit? The blast <gasps> blows off part of Zelda's arm. Oh, God. And kills Jesse and Frank's eight-year-old brother, which is a, a turn, really. This botched raid turns public opinion completely against the against the Pinkertons. Yeah, Until think? this point, they were heroes. They had worked for the Union. They had saved the president, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Now they're fucking murderers. They are absolute bastards who are killing children to get what they got, what they want. So after seeing this, okay, Alan Pinkerton says, fine. He calls off the hunt for, for Jesse James. He, he abandons that. He considers it the greatest personal failure that he was not able to bring this man to justice. So th- this, this is this point where sort of the reputation of the Pinkertons gets slightly yeah. darker. They become known for their really quite aggressive tactics a grenade through windows quite aggressive bit much bit bit much absolutely but it's now they also start being employed by businesses as as muscle who break up labor strikes they keep an, a watch on union members and it's also it's a very far cry from alan pinkerton's beginnings well, yeah, as a charterist exactly. yeah. um, back back in scotland when he was all about workers rights yeah. and, and such like it's, it's taken That's a very okay. very very different turn he's actually written about that yes he approved of you know rights for workers and all this sort of thing but he absolutely hated strikers and he hated the unions as well so workers rights but not unions. <laughs> so it's slightly, slightly contradictory in his in his opinions. Okay. Um, but really, sort of by this point, he had started taking a bit of a, a step back in running the day the day to day running of mm. the business. He had become increasingly occupied with writing his books, and the running of the agency had been left to his two sons, uh, Robert and William. The following years, really, the agency goes from strength to strength. By the eighteen nineties. The agency is larger than the U.S. Army. They have 2,000 detectives on the books and 30,000 reservists. Basically muscle for hire. <laughs> that no. They, that they can call anywhere in the country. Okay. No one should call those people ever. No. <laughs> no one is going to call those people. Alan Pinkerton 
he eventually he dies in Chicago on the 1st of July 1884 age 65. Now there are various stories to as what caused his death. Um, one is that he supposedly slipped on the pavement, bit his tongue and developed gangrene. Um, <laughs> yes. which, and, and he was like too stubborn to go to the doctor um, and it caused infection <laughs> and he died. Um, others claim that he died from a stroke. Um, and some others that he actually contracted malaria. He had visited some of the southern... Oh, some far off places. Some, well, the southern states. Far the off. So hot, toasty places. And he had contracted <laughs> malaria. Now, the following is actually an excerpt from the Chicago Tribune after his funeral. How meagre are the words of man to speak the worth of Alan Pinkerton. When that the poor have cried, this man hath made quick answer to their needs. When the wronged sought help against power, he bravely bared his arm for their defence. He recognised no distinction of society, save those of merit among men. He despised all fraud and false pretense. He fought for the good and against the bad. Mm. He was tender, he was strong, he was brave, he was true. Wrap him up in your bosom, great Illinois. You cannot claim him as your own. He belongs to this generation and the future. No state can claim him. His memory is the right of countries, not states. Hero and friend, farewell. The story of Alan Pinkerton. Oh, good story, Nick. (laughs) That's fascinating. Really good. Oh, love it. There's so many questions, Mm. though. There's so much more. Ooh. Oh, there are hundreds of thousands of cases that they're also the Pinkerton Agency. They were involved in so many cases. So many stories that we do. It's all the Pinkerton Agency, Pinkerton Agency, the Pinkerton Detectives did this and blah, 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 blah. So let's start with what do you think of Alan Pinkerton? I th- I think he was for the on the on the whole absolutely good for him. He did fantastically good things. I think he started off in an incredibly good place. Mm. I think it got a bit dodgy uh, towards the end. The the motivation behind it to, from the beginning was was good, and was yeah was was a pure to to help people and and to do do right. It it grew to something. It grew massive. to something potentially scary. Can you think of anything else apart from a religion? I suppose. That could grow so fast. Yeah, I mean, it it grew so fast and and so big that it it does it appears slightly threatening. The state of uh, the state of Ohio actually banned the Pinkerton Agency because mm. they were so powerful. No, you cannot operate in mm. in our state. And where and where they towards the sort of the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, seemingly they went off going after the money and going yeah. towards the big business. We want to get rid of the strikes. We want to get rid of the unions and stuff like that. And mm. they were there as muscle for hire, as a slight, slightly private mercenary army, mm. rather than detectives. Mm. That's where it gets slightly more dodgy, yeah. I feel. But I think the the initial setup with Alan Pinkerton came, came from crime. a very good place. I think I, t- I take issue with, yeah, as you said, that from his background, then breaking up strikes. Yeah. It, it seems strange that it warped into that what's interesting is the sort of time that he was starting to take a step back and his Mm. the next generation his sons were starting to take over yeah um at that point that that it seems to be that sort of crossover period where things started to change um more obviously he got slightly obsessed with the the jesse gang um, yes james gang definitely um, did yeah that that led him to 
into a slightly dark place with just chuck everything we've got at them because I want mm. to get this bastard, which did not end well. <laughs> um, mm. But then I think from that after that, he seems to have taken a bit more of a back step. Mm. And then his sons, who perhaps didn't have that more, obviously who that moral I, line. I, 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 also, I suppose when you when you grow up, he he grew up in Scotland. His father died young. He had to provide for his family. Yeah, he grew up having to work for pennies and so he was very working class i'm sure his sons at this point when his sons came along he was horrendously wealthy by this point his his sons grew up with a lot of money around them and not mm. having to work and not having to struggle so uh, they are they're there favoring big business and where the money is rather than the work workers where yeah. his their father had come from so i think potentially that's where the shift comes into the more we want them we want the money we'll do what it takes just to bring us more cash yeah <laughs> <laughs> rather than the, the moral side of things it's an insight into that world into the history we think of how they're portrayed in probably fiction their involvement in certain famous cases and there are famous true crime cases oh, yeah. they are involved in you know aside from lincoln um he really did hammer home Lincoln the first assassination, <laughs> use that as his flag that he waved. It's like, didn't do so well the second time, mate, but mm, you weren't there. You weren't there at that time. The Pinkton Agency still exists. Oh, yeah. They're all they're all about sort of risk management um, and, yeah, and personal security and that sort of thing now. So they are still a huge, powerful firm. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they're owned by Securitas <laughs> and things like that. So Anna Pinkton said, you cannot keep a secret. Any person cannot keep a secret. Do you believe that? I, to be honest, yes. Okay, why? I, I, on the whole, I think people don't want to keep secrets. Yeah, people want to tell people stuff. If you've committed a crime, are you going to be able to keep that in? That's or... the thing. I, I don't know. If, I mean, thankfully, I never have. So I'm, I'm, but I don't. I don't know if you could. We've done 154 episodes of right. people committing crimes. Yeah. And they've told someone at they've some point. They've told someone because they've all been found they've out. They've all told someone at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've got unsolved crimes. Um, but no, I, I, I think I think he's onto something there. I think mm. I think keeping secrets is it's not an easy thing. And especially if it's that magnitude. There are many, many brilliant books and works of fiction about the Pinkerton Agency. Axeman's Jazz. I think uh, I've mentioned it before. Yes, Ray indeed. Celestine. So good, guys. Get on that. Oh, there's one thing I didn't mention actually yes. is that they are famous they hired for hiring the first female detective they did yes yeah, and actually i haven't i should have mentioned this um but yeah they hired the first woman detective and she was actually buried with pinkerton and his wife what now yeah so she she was she never she never married and she was devoted to her career as a detective and yeah. and pinkerton himself was very very loyal to this this woman and they he she was actually buried with pinkerton and his, and his wife in the end okay slightly bizarre um i mean that's 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 weird yeah, but also brilliant but, yeah and and she was brilliant she was apparently incredible at, yeah. at her job absolutely brilliant well what do you think people what do you think about the story of the pinkerton agency are there crimes and stories about the pinkerton agency or involving them that we should be covering in the future what do you think of alan pinkerton himself what do you think of all the methods of detecting crime tell us what you think jump on the comments of this episode wherever you listen to it Tell us your thoughts, your theories, your feelings, but most importantly, you must mix up.
a Nicanora martini. Ooh, it's damn good. I mean, it's good. It's really good. If you haven't mixed up a martini yep. before now. Gin and vermouth. Two ingredients. Three to one. Three buckets. Three mugs. Three thimbles. <laughs> whatever you have to hand. Just three of them and one of them. That's what you need. If yep. you prefer vodka. Gin's better. I'm not opposed to a vodka oh, martini. No, I'm not a fan of a vodka martini. Oh, I like a vodka martini. <laughs> because I'm a fancy, fancy <laughs> woman. A fancy, fancy bitch. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. They never sleep. 